Thank you, brother. I look up to you. <laughs> if you would get a Bible, let's go to Leviticus. Leviticus. I like to say that to Brother Red. I saw Red here this morning, too. I see you back there, brother. My sister bought a new car loaded with some serious high-tech options. The first time she drove the car in the rain, she turned a knob she thought would start the windshield wipers. Instead, a message flashed across the dash, drive car in, 30, in 360 degrees. She had no idea what that meant. So when she got home, she read the car manual. She learned that while trying to turn on the windshield wipers, she had inadvertently turned off the internal compass and the car had lost its sense of direction. To correct the problem, the car had to be driven in a full circle, pointed north, and then the compass had to be reset. So writes Nancy, uh, Nancy Cheatham of Olathe, Kansas. Could that be, could that, true story, could that be a picture of your life? On the outside, things seem fine, People think you're doing good. It's all good in the hood, right? But does your hunger for God need to be reset? Does your fear of God need to be fixed? Is your love for Jesus getting any deeper? Or is it kind of the same? Do you need to love your neighbor more fully? <clears throat> These are the reasons, beloved, why we're in the book of Leviticus. And the hunger and the fear and the love for God and for our neighbors will only increase if we understand and apply what God is saying to us through the book of, say it out loud, Leviticus. <laughs> Leviticus, yes. So let's quickly review uh, uh, three things. Let's see here. Let's go real quick, the structure, guiding principles, and theology, okay? And if you're one of the really overachieving, really smart church members that already had all of this memorized from the first week, please be patient. God is not finished with me, okay? There are people who missed the last two messages or first-time guests, and this is their first time hearing this. Not a lot of preaching going on out, uh, out there on Leviticus, is there? <laughs> So be, uh, please be patient. God isn't finished with him yet either. Amen? All right? So let's go over the structure of Leviticus very quickly. And I like this structure that uh, I would say the best Leviticus scholars have seen because the structure answers the solution. Okay? If you don't know how the big Bible story goes at the end of Exodus... After all of the uh, directions for the tabernacle to be built, they built it, the glory of God comes, nobody can enter. <laughs> nobody can get close to the presence of God or they will what? Die. That's a problem. So, if God's going to be with his people, how can corrupt, sinful Israelites live near God's goodness without being destroyed? Answer, ritual, priesthood, purity. Here's a, another way of looking at it, the structure. Chapters 1 to 7 and 23 to 27 are about sacrifice and feast day regulations. Chapters 8 to 10 and 21 to 22 about the priestly duties. 
Chapters 11 and 15 and 18 and 20 are mirrored regarding purity and holiness in everyday life. And what's at the center, beloved? Say it out loud. The Day of Atonement. I didn't hear anyone say it out loud. It's the Day of Atonement. (laughs) The heart of the book of Leviticus is the Day of Atonement. Amen. Uh, Let's see. Is there another way to? Yeah, here's another way to look at it. Those of you that know what a chiasmus is, boom, there it is. Right? And as it relates to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, what's in the middle of the Pentateuch, the five books? Thank you, sister. Leviticus. So get this. At the heart of the Pentateuch, at the heart of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, at the heart of that is Leviticus. And in the dead center of the book of Leviticus is the Day of Atonement. Big deal. So for this message today, uh, we're going to be in uh, chapter 18, but primarily in chapter 16, which is regarding the Day of Atonement. Real quick, guiding principles here. Number one, understand the book in its own context, including the weird stuff. And there's a lot of weird stuff, right? All cultures have taboos. We need to understand Leviticus in its own historical setting. Be sympathetic to the ancient Israelites. Don't read a verse and say, well, that doesn't apply to my life, and just move on. Think about how it does apply to your life, right? If the Bible's boring, you're not reading it. If it's irrelevant, you're not reading it in its context. Uh, If it's irrelevant, you're not reading it in its context, okay? Number two, the laws and regulations protect sacred space. Everybody say sacred space. The The space where God dwells. Okay? That's why there's all these regulations and rules. Some of these include the prohi- prohibition of mixing things, like you don't mix fabric. You read some of those laws. You don't mix the olive oil, right? In fact, speaking of taboos and protecting sacred space, something happened in my home this past week. Are you ready for this? The groceries came in, and I saw a box of cocoa pebbles. I haven't had cocoa pebbles in years. So I was rejoicing. But something else happened. Terrible. I saw a box of cocoa puffs on the kitchen counter. Yeah, I cannot believe this. This is an example of forbidden mixing. (laughs) Every cocoa pebble lover knows you don't bring in cocoa puffs in the house. All right? I'm the high priest of this home. How did that happen? Well, this is how it happened. Monica turned 50 this past Wednesday, and she says she can do whatever she wants for the whole month. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is not right, is it? Is it right? (laughs) You're not the high priest of my home. When does it end? She plans for her birthday, she's got this other plan, that we're celebrating in the first week of December with Christy and husband Jamie in December. December. Birthday, November 11th. I'm afraid she's going to hijack Christmas and claim the whole month of December for her birthday too. This thing could go on to the new year. Jesus, help me love my wife. Amen. Jesus, help me to speak the truth in love. Amen. Okay, let's move on. Number three, to be unclean. This is really important. To be unclean slash impure 
was not to be sinful. It meant you were ritually disqualified for sacred space. You can't go in until you became ritually uh, clean and pure. And often the fix is just wait till evening, take a bath, or wait a week, take a bath, you're good to go. Okay? The laws and festivals restore, uh, remind, and maintain access to God's presence and power for ancient Israel. And then finally, let's avoid what we're all really good at. We've got to not do this. This is bad, bad, very bad. Avoid ripping verses out of their contexts. All that to say context is king. When you have a Bible text without a context, it becomes what? A pretext for whatever you want the Bible to say. And that's always bad. Everybody say bad. Okay, let's go to the four ways to live near God's presence. All right? Number one, God provided a way to live near his presence through ritual, but now it's through Jesus. Right? Now it's through Jesus. Last week we saw this. There's basically five offerings with two statements. The first is, I'm sorry. How does the worshiper express that? Through the burnt offering, through the sin offering, through the guilt offering. Here's another statement. Thank you. How does the worshiper express that? Through the grain offering and through the fellowship offering. Last week we saw this. I focused on, do you all remember? Out of the five, I focused on the grain offering and the giving of thanks. Today I, wanna, I just want to highlight this. Okay, Hear this, beloved. On the human level, no relationship will survive if these two statements are not spoken regularly. Okay? So just write it down. Friendship, marriage, business, co-workers, okay? Family. So, when was the last time you said, I'm sorry to someone? I'm dating myself. Do you guys remember the Fonz? Remember how he tripped over uh, saying, I'm sorry? I'm zzzz, I'm zzzz. He couldn't get it out. You have to humble yourself to say what? I'm sorry. Here's another one. I was wrong. Please forgive me. No relationship will survive on the human level without saying I'm sorry. So husbands, oh, let's pick on the wives first. Wives, wives, look at me. When was the last time you said I'm sorry to your husband? Oh, I heard yesterday. Sounds good. Okay, husbands, when was the last time you said I'm sorry to your wife? All right? I see a lot of jockeying going on in the fuse here. Here we go. What have you started? When was the last time you said thank you or, or uh, uh, affirmed gratitude and appreciation in a, in a relationship? Oh, these are good. This is good stuff. Don't, don't tell me Leviticus is irrelevant. Amen. That's a, that's a reflection on your lack of understanding Leviticus if you're saying Leviticus is not relevant but I digress. I'm really talking to preachers right now. Okay. Number two. Whoop. Number two. God provided a way to live near his presence through the priesthood, but now it's through Jesus. Amen. In our struggle to, like, you know, understand Leviticus in its own context, I'm telling you what, beloved, it should just increase our appreciation and love for Jesus Christ. 
Amen. No more rituals because of Jesus. Think about that. Blood of lambs up here, and it's like, okay, ready? Cut the throat, and all the children are like, and they're running out. I mean, right? No, it's through Jesus. Same thing with the priesthood. And in Christ, we have been made what? A kingdom of priests. You, you, who are in, in, in Christ. You're part of the priesthood. The high point of the priesthood is seen in the Day of Atonement, and that's what I want to focus on for today. But there's something else I want to cover on the way there beforehand that leads us to number three. Some of you are thinking we're going to be, get out early, and the answer to that is no. Number three, God provided a way to live near his presence through purity laws, but now it's through Jesus. Amen. Please find Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18. And some of you are thinking, it's about time you got in the Word of God. Amen. Leviticus 18, I hear the words of God being turned in the house. The pages of Scripture, that's a beautiful sound. That and the singing of God's people. I love to hear those sounds. Pick up with verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You are to perform my judgments and keep my statutes, to live in accord with them. I am the Lord your God. So you shall keep my statutes and my judgments by which a man may live if he does them. Do you see the heart of God? You see the heart of God? Know this, beloved. Why the rules? Why the regulations? Because he loves his people. That's why. He's not a big, mean ogre. He's a loving God. He's a redemptive God. He's a gracious God. So shall you keep my statutes and my judgments by which a man may live. If he does them, I am the Lord. Now I'm going to stop right there. The rest of the chapter specifies whom a man cannot have sex with. Okay, I have charted the rest of the chapter so you can see this clearly. Are you ready? And this, like, this took a lot of time for me to make this chart because it's kind of confusing. Like, are we talking about blood relatives here? Are we talking about merited, marital relatives here? And the answer is yes. So the blood relatives is marked by the B, and the marital relatives is marked by the M. Okay? So a man may not have sex with his mother, his paternal aunt, his stepmother, his maternal aunt, his paternal uncle's wife, his sister, uh, his stepsister, his fraternal sister-in-law, his daughter, and this is implied in verses 6, 10, 15, and 17, though not explicit, his daughter-in-law, his wife's daughter, his granddaughter, his wife's granddaughter. Also, his neighbor's wife. A man may not have sex with these people. And all of God said, amen. Why, why the specificity? These are laws that would protect the women and children in the home. Okay? Protect the women and children in the home and within the family. This is why. This is why. Now, Something surprising happened uh, in the rest of the chapter. After verse 20, guess who pops up? You ready for this? 
he may not offer his children or offspring to Molech. What? Why is Molech all of a sudden popping up here in this chapter? Here's why. Because idolatry always leads to immorality. Okay? Idolatry always leads to immorality. Somehow in Western civilization, we think idolatry doesn't exist anymore. As if the gods are figments of people's imagination. Here we have a god that is specifically named, and what is his name? Moloch. In fact, Moloch occurs as a divine name eight times, five times in Leviticus, twice in Kings, and once in Jeremiah. His illicit worship led to the downfall of the entire northern kingdom. This is a big deal. This is a big, this is a big dog. This is an evil big dog, Moloch. Both the prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel condemned uh, they condemn their contemporaries for the practice. And even after the exile, right, because idolatry brought down the northern kingdom, idolatry brought down the southern kingdom, even after the exile, Isaiah 57, 5 and 9 suggests the continuation of the practice of worshiping this God, Moloch, at least for a brief time. So those of you who know the business term, you know what an SME is? Right? Moloch is a devilish SME. That stands for he's, he's a subject matter expert. Only in this case, his subject matter is defilement. His ultimate goal is your death, and not only yours, he wants your children dead too. By the way, all parents listening, or future parents listening, Talk to your kids, talk to your kids about sex before Moloch and his servants of the world do. And do you know about what time frame that is? If you haven't had the sex talk with your children, by the time they're in third grade, you're, you're, you're getting late in the evening, okay? Now, if you have trouble with that being uncomfortable or whatever, you need to work that out. If you want some help with that, ask Pastor John, myself, Right, someone you uh, is knowledgeable about this, you've got to have our children should be learning God's beautiful design for sex by the third grade. Amen. You do not want them to learn about this from the world. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Well, speaking of defilement, guess what happens in this chapter after the reference to Moloch? You ready for this? A man may not have sex with another man. And then guess, guess what happens after that? A man may not have sex with any animal. Bestiality was certainly known in the land of Canaan. We have officially hit the bottom of the depravity barrel, haven't we? For example, the Hittites, you guys know the Hittites? The Hittites had laws that forbid sex with cattle, sheep, pigs, and dogs, but they permitted it with horses or mules. <laughs> so, why are you saying all this? Here's why. The command of the Lord serves to highlight how Israel was supposed to be different from the world. Israel, Israelite laws called these things 
perversion. And you look up that word in the Hebrew, it is tebel, and the root of the word refers to mixing up or confusing something. In this context, it refers to an illicit mixing up or an illicit confusing of sexual relationships. Hmm. All of you that have been taught the big Bible story by me, where have we seen a mixing up or confusing before in the big Bible story? Genesis 6, 1 through 4. In fact, all of this chart right here, all of chapter 18, gives you a little bit of a better glimpse as to what's happening in Genesis 6, 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was what? Great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You will find no greater statement on sin in the entire Old Testament than verse 5. And we kind of drive by it and say, hmm, there's nothing here. Well, I know it's about the flood and blah, blah, blah. No, no. Read Leviticus 18, how many ways we mess up something good and pure and holy before God. Verse 6, the Lord was sorry that he had made men on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. All of these laws in Leviticus were to serve like speed bumps to slow down man's depravity. How did that work out? How'd that work out? Not too good, did it? This is why, listen to me, this is why the new covenant is better. It gives us a new heart, a new want to, a new desire to please God. Amen. Amen. Okay, now back, back to Moloch real quick. This rebellious spirit did not stop his dirty deeds with the nation of Israel. Moloch, Moloch is active in America. If I, if I would back up uh, real quick, some of you looking at this chart might look at that chart and say, oh, that is gross. Would you please move on? It is gross, right? Listen to me. But there are others of you that know full well the consequences of immorality in your own life, in the life of family members, in the life of friends. And this is why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take away the guilt and the shame. Amen. He has made atonement for us by his precious blood on the cross. Hallelujah. And this leads us to the best part of Leviticus. Number four, God provided a way to live near his presence through the Day of Atonement ritual. But now, it's through Jesus. Here's a visual. Uh, well, let's see here. Is a Let me back up here. Okay, I guess we'll do that. All right. So now we're going to go into Leviticus 16, and I've got a video. It's a, it's a good video because... It, if you want to start killing the lights, go ahead. This, this is a visual reenactment of parts of the Day of Atonement, and the narrator, he has no comments. All he is doing is reading from Leviticus 16. So I want to show this to you so you have it visually in your mind as we continue.
And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place, with a young bullock for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering. And he shall take the two goats, and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the scapegoat, and the other lot for the Lord. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony, that he die not. And he shall take the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring his blood within the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat, and before the mercy seat. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord, and make an atonement for it, and shall take of the blood of the bullock, and of the blood of the goat, and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place, and the tabernacle of the congregation, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. And he shall wash his flesh with water, and offer his burnt offering, and the burnt offering of the people, and make an atonement for himself and for the people. And this shall be an everlasting statute unto you, to make an atonement for the children of Israel, for all their sins once a year. Okay, that's a very good video. Just as the sister with the new car had to reset the compass of the car, you remember that? Think of the Day of Atonement as one huge reset button for the nation of Israel. Okay? 
Chapter 15 ends by identifying the danger of defiling the Lord's tabernacle. Chapter 16 addresses how the tabernacle and those who have defiled it may be cleansed and atoned for. So in your, in your mind, think of atonement that the actual um, uh, tabernacle itself and the different uh, objects within the tabernacle had to be cleaned the sins and impurities of the Israelites defiled not just themselves, they defiled the Lord's sanctuary. This is a major problem, massive problem. To defile a king's home is a treasonous act, okay? With treason comes deadly justice. If I did a, uh, what, are the, what do they call that? Uh, when you go to someone's door, ding-dong ditch, Right, you guys. Don't, so you, you ring the doorbell, then you, you skedaddle. Well, what if you did? What if you had like a uh, a bag of manure, and it was ding dong? They opened the door, and you tossed the bag of manure into the home. You'd be good with that. No, some of you'd be grabbing a gun or something. I mean, you'd be like, call the cops, right? Well, think of it from God's perspective. He's holy. He's perfect. He's pure. How can that kind of a God live with people? Because his justice demands what? Execution. So how can this God live with people? To get rid of the problem is to get rid of the people, you see? And so the Day of Atonement is a gracious, gracious, big reset button on the tabernacle and for the people why he's a redeeming king his desire is to be in covenant fellowship with his people this ritual gave assurance that the imminent threat of God's justice was removed it gave the Israelites assurance that they could continue in covenant fellowship with God Let's go to Leviticus uh, 16, verse 2. I want to show you something really cool. Leviticus 16, verse 2. When you've got it, say, I got it. Those of you online, you got it? Verse 2 says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark or he will what die for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat oh if you write in your Bibles that's a good place to underline I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat that word appear if you want to make a note is the Hebrew term ra'ah Everyone say ra'ah, right? R-A-A-H, ra'ah. That's the word translated appear. Now, this is fascinating. Let's take that word ra'ah and see where that shows up in the Old Testament. Hmm, I wonder if we can glean something if we do that. Oh, yeah, it is used for the visible appearance elsewhere when we have, like, the word of the Lord 
or Yahweh appearing in human form in the Old Testament. For instance, this word ra'ah occurs in Genesis 12, 7 when the word of the Lord appears to Abram. Yahweh comes to Abram. The parallel is chapter 15, also chapter 17, 1 and 18, 1. You may recall this is where Yahweh shows up with the two angels and all three of them are described as what? Men. This is when uh, Abraham goes to Chick-fil-A and rolls out the meal for the three visitors, right? That was from the, uh, the Message Bible. I just quoted that, the, the Chick-fil-A reference, okay? Yeah, the, the New Living Translation, right? These kind of things, okay? So Yahweh comes with two angels. They're described as men multiple times. Abram fixes a meal. They're in human form. This is so cool. It's also used of the angel of Yahweh in Exodus 3 at the burning bush incident. We could go to Judges 6, same thing, Ra'ah, the Lord appeared to whom? Gideon, Judges uh, 6. Uh, we could also go to Judges 13 and look up Samson's uh, parent, uh, parents. Why is this important? Okay, you just saw a video with a reenactment, and you saw the high priest go into not just the holy place, into what? The holy of holies. By the way, I drove by the, uh, the garb, the clothing of the high priest. How was he to dress on the high holy day of atonement? In his high priestly bejeweled regalia? No. Linen. Linen. What does that symbolize? Humility. It also is a symbolic picture of the, the, the humble work of a high priest, the humble work of intercession, right? It was a day of humility. It is very possible here that what you have is on this one day of the year, Aaron the high priest would go, or whoever the high priest was, go inside the veil and see God in human form on the mercy seat with his feet resting on the ark. It doesn't say he appeared as the cloud. It says he appeared in the cloud over the mercy seat. And actually, that, that translation of mercy seat, that is a systematic theological imposition. Okay? When you look that up, uh, it's, it's more of a throne, the the. the the throne of God, the mercy, the merciful throne, if you want to put it that way. Now let's go to Leviticus 16, verse 5. Leviticus 16, 5. If you've got it, say, I'm ready. If you're hungry, say, I'm hungry. If you're bored, go ahead and leave now. Amen. Okay, verse 5. He shall take from, one, uh, from the congregation of the sons of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Then Aaron shall offer the bull for the sin offering, which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself, for his household. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord, the other lot for the... Hmm. We'll address that in just a moment. Then Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell and make it a sin offering, but the goat on which the lot for the 
depending on your Bible, the scapegoat fell, shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as what? Well, depending on your Bible, depending if you have the NASB, KJV, NKJV, and the NIV, it says for the scapegoat. I'm curious, how many of you have those Bibles? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have a Bible version that says for Azazel? ESV, NET, RSV, the new RSV, and the LEB, and the HCS. Oh, good grief, all these Bibles out there. I wonder which one Jesus reads. Okay. So which is it? Scapegoat or Azazel? We're talking the Day of Atonement here. It's a big deal. One goat's for the Lord. The other's for Azazel or for the scapegoat. Hmm. What's going on here? Well, there's three views. First, it could be a name for an evil spirit listed here. We, if we took Hebrew parallelism, right? It's parallel to the Lord's name. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. So there's three views. One says that is, the, that is the name for an evil spirit. We need to be clear here that the goat was not a sacrifice to this being. The goat for the Lord is sacrificed. The goat, if it is indeed an evil spirit in this case, was not sacrificed. All right? Rather, it was used as a sign of utmost contempt, sending back to that evil spirit the load of sin and defilement. So if it is an evil spirit, here's what the Lord's communicating. The high priest confesses on the head of that goat the, uh, <clears throat> the sins of the people. By the way, Pastor uh, John, I wonder how long that took. Like all the sins of the people? Like really? <laughs> all the sins confessed, right? And if it is for an evil spirit, here's what the Lord's communicating. All of that was done in the sight of Israel. What's going on in the Holy of Holies, the people are not seeing but they are seeing this goat, the confession, and the goat goes away. The Lord is communicating all of the sin and the punishment for sin and the defilement of sin goes away where it came from in the sight of everyone. The second view says Azazel could refer to a rough or rocky place. And there's some finagling with uh, 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 language, the etymology that they're bringing out for this second view. So it could be a name for an evil spirit. Secondly, it could refer to a rough or rocky place because where does that goat go? To the what? The desert. We know this even in New Testament thought. Where, where, does, where does Jesus battle the devil before public ministry? Where? In a garden? No, the desert. The uninhabitable place where death is, right? That's not where God is. He's in the garden, that which is flourishing, where life is abundant, right? Third view, Azazel could be a compound term consisting of the noun ez or goat and the verb azel, which means to go away or to disappear. That is, goat that departs or goes away. Kids, if you're listening, it's the go-away goat. 
You could literally say that. It's the go-away goat. All the bad stuff goes away with that goat. Of course, this leads to the traditional rendering of the scapegoat, like in the NIV, since the goat departs bearing all the Israelites' sins. Well, among scholars, the most common view today is that this is a proper name of a particular demon or evil spirit, perhaps even the devil himself, associated with the wilderness desert regions. And that's the, that's the view that I, I uh, <clears throat> fall upon, I agree with, for other reasons, but we'll continue. One goat was for the Lord, it was sacrificed. The other for this evil spirit, Azazel, was not. Again, the goal was to remove the impurity and iniquity from the community in order to avoid offending the Lord and the consequences of doing so. So that would be very dramatic. I'm sinning the sin right back where it came from. Amen. You know, some systematic theologians don't like this kind of talk of the spiritual warfare thing. But if you go back to the, uh, the beginning of the story, how did man sin? By himself? No. He was tempted by an evil being, right? So you always have to have both of those in mind as the, the big Bible story does from Genesis to the end. Amen. Oh, and by the way, some of you might be depressed or discouraged about what's going on in the world today. Let me just remind every Christian listening, in the end, we win. Amen? Oh, I can't wait to see the devil thrown into the lake of fire. How about you? I'm going to be high-fiving Jason, Pastor John. Amen. I'm, I'm a Baptist. We don't dance, but I might, might cut a jig up in heaven. Woo-hoo! Hallelujah! Burn, baby, burn. I'll have a soundtrack for him. Burn, baby, burn. Okay, that was not in my, lo- in my notes. I need to stick with my notes. They all see the goat go bye-bye. Jump down to verse 20. Verse 20, Leviticus 16. Have you closed your Bibles yet? Have you closed your Bibles yet? Have you closed your Bibles yet? Just making sure you're there. Verse 20. When he finishes atoning for the holy place in the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall offer the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all the trans- their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And he shall lay them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a solitary land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Amen. You know what comes to my mind with this? This depiction? Psalm 103.12. I wonder if anyone is in need to hear Psalm 103.12. Quote, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Amen. Amen. Oh, beloved, this should only increase our love and affection for Jesus Christ. The east is from the west. That's a mighty long way. 
Can you measure it? The New Testament describes the day of Jesus' crucifixion as the ultimate day of atonement by which he entered into the heavenly throne room of God himself to atone for sin. If the Israelite believers felt the burden of their sins lifted because of Aaron's ministry on the Day of Atonement, how much more the believer today because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross? Do you remember how I began the message? I told of that sister in that fancy car. She had to reset the compass of the car. So... What needs to be reset in your life, beloved? You're listening to this message in order to hit the reset button. And you can sing all the songs you want to. But if you walk up out of here without hitting the reset button in repentance and faith, you and I have not worshipped. It's one thing to give praise. It's quite another to worship. And when we encounter the presence of the living God, and when we hear the whispers of the Holy Spirit in our spirit, we must respond. What needs to be reset? What needs to be realigned? In fact, don't rely on yourself to figure that out. Join with me in prayer now and ask God. Would you do that? Let's pray together. You could be listening, and for the first time in your life, you want to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You believe Jesus Christ is the sacrifice for you. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're outside of Jesus Christ, you are in danger of God's judgment, and he can snuff out your life at any moment. The very reason why you continue to breathe and hear this message, if you're outside of Jesus is so that you would surrender to him and come to faith. Oh, he's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, say it, church, will be saved. And today is the day of salvation. You can't clean your life up. Surrender to the Lord. Let him change you into the image of Jesus. But this message primarily is for the church. Ask God, Lord, what needs to be reset in my heart? Lord, where do I need to be realigned? or someone the Lord has put on your your spirit, you need to say, I'm sorry to. Perhaps there is one the Lord's bringing to your mind, you need to say, I'm thankful for you. Perhaps there's someone on your mind that you need to fully and finally turn over to the Lord. Turn the person over to the Lord. 
Perhaps there is someone that you need to forgive. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. 